Welcome to episode six of Entrepreneur Life with me, Joel Campbell, and I am an entrepreneur. I'm going to level with you straight away. <laughs> Normally I record on a Friday evening. If you listen to the podcast in the previous few episodes, you'll know that Friday I do a long day and I finish work and then about eight o'clock I record my episode for half an hour before I go off and pick up my daughter from gymnastics. Last Friday, however, was um, Good Friday, so my daughter wasn't at gymnastics. I'd been at Shepton for the whole week, and I had my sister over and her husband, so my brother-in-law and my, my nephew and stuff, so I just didn't get around to recording it. It would be a lie if I said I was stone-cold sober at eight o'clock last Friday, <laughs> um, which is probably part of the reason as well why I didn't record it. I'm recording episode six now, cheating a little bit by recording it a week late, so apologies. And it's actually only half seven, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do two back-to-back. -back. I'm gonna record this one, episode six. Um, I'll take a couple of minutes and go into episode seven. You might also notice I've got a big bandage on my head. Um, and that is because I had a small operation this week, nothing major. Um, people have been asking me what, what, what's wrong today or what had happened. Um, I've given various different reasons, everything from I had to have some surgery to remove the headaches that everyone causes me, um, all the way through to my intelligence was getting too much, so I had to have some of it removed, some of my humour was too great. And I think I probably had the, um, uh, the best, most realistic, um, comment given to me earlier this week, which was which was by none other than Lauren, um, the site manager at Shrewsbury, who said they had to remove some of the inner Joel because it just got too much. Basically, she means they had to remove some of my bullshit. Um, so, but yeah, I had to have a, a, a small incision in my head. So apologies if you're watching this on YouTube and having to look at a big unsightly bandage. Just listen to it on Spotify, Amazon, whatever it is that you listen to. Anyway, let's crack on. So, um, pretending this is last week, the week leading into Easter, what a fucking week that was. So I started my week by driving down to Shepton Mallet at six o'clock on a Monday morning I left to drive down to Somerset. Normally I will leave the night before, um, I'll go down, I'll stay in a hotel, Nothing fancy, just a Premier Inn. Love a good Premier Inn, plug, plug. Um, so it just stayed in a Premier Inn. Um, and then normally I'm set up to get in first thing Monday morning, nine o'clock, fresh, ready to go, without a three, three and a half hour drive behind me. But this time round, I decided I would, I would, I would stay at home and I would, I would drive down first thing Monday morning, which is what I did. So sort of a three hour drive, really, first thing on a Monday. Um, and I got to the prison, I hooked up with Charlie, who's the site manager there, um, met with him, wandered around a little bit, went through a few bits, and then the staff started turning up sort of at half nine, and I started connecting with them about 10 o'clock, just saying hello, seeing how they were and stuff like that. And oh my God. I was down there for three full days, and I was absolutely blown away. Blown away by how good that team is down in Shepton. And that's not to say that, 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 that we don't have other good teams, that's, that's not the case. But oh my God, I was blown away by how strong and structured and engaged and positive and connected that team was. And it's really cliche to say this, and I've been saying this to a few people over the last, um, in the last few days since I've been back, it is cliche, but they are like a small family and they really are connected. And I was wondering to myself whether that was an issue um, sort of previously, whether being too connected is, 
is a problem in a work environment and they just make it work. They've got some incredibly good team members down there, some really strong leaders, some really strong managers, really strong team players, really strong team members, and it just works. And I think, you know, that the, a lot of the drive down there comes from obviously the management team in the sense of, of, of how they're led. And I think Charlie is an exceptionally strong manager. He's a good leader. He, you know, very much leads from the front. You know, you, he, he'll do all the bad jobs. So you, you'll see him grafting away. And I think that, you know, the team really follow that. Um, now, and, and, and they're all really good. They're all proper grafters down there. So it's, it's not right to sort of single anybody out, but Charlie is the backstop. He is that last person on the line, the ship ends with him, the buck stops with him. It's his responsibility to make that site work. Obviously he has support centrally, but it is his responsibility from an operational perspective to make that site work. And bloody hell does he do a good job of it. And his team wrap around him and they all do a great job of it. So really, really impressive to see that. And really, really pleasing because I get concerned at points that, you know, I talk a lot about how we're employee centric, we're, we're entrepreneurial led, we're all about our people. You know, ultimately, I still think we're, a, we're an investing in people business first and an attraction business second or a media business second. I think our core business is actually investing in people and trying to build everything around them, their needs, their wants, their requirements and such like that. And, and sometimes I kind of look at, look at it and I sort of go, is this, is this real? Is this just woolly, fluffy bullshit? Or is this something tangible? And, and, and by saying that, I mean like, are we actually doing what we say we're doing? Are we getting that right? Are we driving that forwards? Or is it just words? Um, and, and I really want it to be actual, tangible. I really want to see it and I want people to, to, to really enjoy coming to work. And I spoke last week in my podcast at the end of the episode about how the first thing you should look for from a job is enjoyment, is joy, is that want to want to go and do that job and money should be a close second. Um, so that's how we're trying to build our companies. And, and it was really, really pleasing going down to Shepton and seeing that team in that way because it just felt like all the things we talk about, all the things I talk about, all the things that we push forward, all the things that Shelley and I work hard on and, and the rest of the team as well, it just felt like that was being achieved. And that was a huge moment for me. It, it truly was, not only because I'm not involved in the operational aspect down at Shepton, I couldn't tell you how any of it worked. I know my way around the building, I know how to open the doors, I know the combinations for the padlocks. But outside of that, I couldn't tell you how to do it. I, do, I just couldn't, I'm so far removed from it. And that's really nice, I quite like that. But also just watching the team there and seeing that some of the decisions we make and some of the things we do and some of the stuff that's embedded really makes a difference to, to, to what they do day to day. And, and that team there, I believe, and I'm sure if they listen to this and, and, and I'm wrong, they'll, they'll correct me, but I believe that team really, really enjoy their jobs. They love that place, they love the work, they love the environment, they love the team, they love the whole ethos of the company, and they get so much from it 
which is why they give so much back and they truly are brilliant and they don't get paid amazingly well. Um, no, you know, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it, but, but certainly I don't think any of our staff are really paid quite right. And that's part of a growing business. We've got to get ourselves a little bit further down the line to be able to pay better salaries because we've got to make the money in the first instance. Because if we just pay the big salaries or better salaries and we don't make the money, we'll be out of business in a, in a few months and it's pointless. So we've got to build to it. And that's where we try and put all the other stuff around it as well. So some really good things there for employees. So if you've not been to Shepton Mallet Prison, you should go. You should go because it's an amazing attraction. Uh, you know, there's loads to do there. They've got various different escape rooms, different activities, different tours. It's the oldest prison in the country, over 400 years old, one of the oldest in the world, most haunted in the world. It's a fascinating place, it truly is. And don't take my word for it, have a look on TripAdvisor. You know, you'll see it from our customers, TripAdvisor, Google, Facebook, look at the reviews and you will see it for yourself. But if you're not going for the building, go and have a chat with the staff, I dare you. Even if you're just wandering past or you're in the area, drop in, say, hi guys at the Vista Center, listen to Joel's podcast. He said, drop in, have a chat. How are you guys? And I promise you, you will come up there with such a big smile on your face because they're so nice to talk to. And I got to witness that for three days solid and I came back so pumped and so excited and so engaged with what we do because I got to see the outcome of it. Um, so that was really, really nice. Um, it was a, 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 a strong week of back-to-back -back meetings. I mean, when I go to Shepton, I just disregard my actual day-to-day -day job as a CEO. Um, I'm obviously now picking up the marketing manager role as well because Paige left last Tuesday. I'll go into that more in, 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 in next week's episode, which I'll be filming in a few minutes. Um, I'll go into that in next week's episode because that's all that has kind of come, come about in the, in the last week. Um, so I was picking up the marketing manager role and bits like that, but I kind of put all of my own work to the side when I'm down in Shepton because I want to spend time there with the team, with Charlie, with the duty management team, various meetings, um, and that's really how my day was structured. I, I sort of had back-to-backs on Monday, meeting with um, Charlie and you know, by himself, then different duty managers throughout the day, and just really talking about what they're up to. They're asking me for some advice, some guidance. Can they have this? Can they have that? Can we release some cash for this? Can they do this? This? what do I think of this, what do I think of that, would this work, will that work, what are Shrove's be doing, how can we connect, um, we'd love to work with this organisation, can we change this product, can we adapt this pricing, can we get sales to do this, can we get marketing to do that, that's literally the conversations back to back, back to back. Um, and I love that because that is a really good sweet spot for me because I, I know what's going on in various different places and I can connect all the dots and that works really, really well. Um, so that was kind of Monday, really, and then Monday evening, spent time with the team, just informally, in the jail, we got a load of pizzas, and we just sat around and just chatted, and I got to meet the new members of the team, chat to some of the other members of the team, um, and yeah, just we just chewed the fat and ate pizza for, I don't know, two and a half hours, three hours, something like that. Um, so yeah, and that was, that was really nice, it was a really nice way to do that first day. So that was Monday, Monday. It does make it quite a long day for me because um, it was about 15 and a half hours, 16 hour day, I think, by the time I got to the hotel and checked in because obviously I've been up early in the morning. And that's why I like to do it the night before. The days of me doing long 16, 18 hour days, they're kind of behind me, to be honest. I don't, yeah, 
you know, I never really wanted to do 18 hour days. Um, you know, who wants to do an 18 hour workday? It's more of a necessity rather than a want in the early days. And I say the early days, because I did 18 hour days. I mean, I was doing 100 hour weeks, basically, every week for the first three and a half years of taking on the jails, three and a half, four years, really without holidays, like without breaks. Even if I was away, I was still working. So, you know, just constantly, constantly, constantly. And it nearly killed me. I thrive off it and I enjoy it to a point, but it is also really, really hard work. And I've got no ambition to continue doing that. I love working, I love what I do. Um, but yeah, I've got no ambition to do 16, 17, 18 hour days. So that's why I like to go down the day before because I get to break it up and I just don't have to do those long days. Plus I'm getting old, do you know what I mean? So um, Then on the Tuesday, uh, we've, we, we've established, and I can talk about this now because again, this went out for a couple of weeks, so it, it's, it's nice that it works in that way, but um, there's a charity that's being set up. So uh, uh, it's called the um, Prison Museum Trust, it's a charitable um, incorporated organization. Um, and I'm a, tr a trustee on that charity. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, we, I was working with the other trustees and with uh, a guy who's going to be the CEO who's going to run that charity. So had some meetings with him down in Shepter on the, on the Tuesday just to discuss, was that Tuesday or the Wednesday? Might be the Wednesday actually, apologies. Um, but I'll talk about charity now. So um, Prison Museum Trust, like I say, we were discussing with, with this guy about becoming the CEO. We've been having a few discussions about it. And we just formalized the agreements really on, on, on the Wednesday when I met with them. And that's great because it's, it's the charitable aspects that you know I've always wanted to have an involvement in, but it's not really, I wouldn't say it's a passion or not a passion. It's not something that I want to do the day-to-day -day work of. Being Running charities, being involved in charities, doing charity work is not my day-to-day -day grind. And it's not really what I want to do. Um, I love my commercial world. I really, really enjoy it. So, you know, so I don't want to do that myself, but I love being involved in that because I think giving back is so important. I think, you know, we've also got a huge amount of things we can offer a charity that concentrates on prisons and museums because we, we have two of them. We own one, we've got a second one. You know, we, we're probably, I think the biggest prison attraction company there is. I don't know, right? I, I mean, Alcatraz is obviously the biggest, um, but I, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty, I guess it's quite a niche market in fairness. So it's like, you know, I guess it's easy to post it. I mean, I've got more bars than Weatherspoons for fuck's sake. Um, regardless of the size, like I say, I think it's really important to get back. And there's so many charities that I've come across, organizations that I've spoken to, other people we've worked with over the last six years since we've been doing this, that just doesn't quite fit in the commercial world. And I've always thought, you know what, we, there should be a charity that, that I'd love us to be part of that can support that aspect. So, um, so yeah, finally, it, it, one got set up and like I say, I connected it, connected into it, became a trustee, which I'm really pleased to do. And we've got this great guy um, who's got loads of experience, both in, our, in, in the prison world, the attraction world, local authority world, charity world. Um, who's going to drive it forward. So that was that was a really positive meeting and really looking forward to getting him started and 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 just letting him go with it really. So yeah, that's that's going to be great. I think that will open up more access for people as well to, to Shepton Mallet Prison and to Shrewsbury Prison. So excited about that. And I think it can help link up 
other jails and other um, partners in, in, in that world. So yeah, so I think that's going to be good. Uh, what else did I do on the Tuesday? What the hell did I do on the Tuesday? I must have meetings. I met with the um, with the director of our events company. So I met with a guy called Greg who runs Immersive Events, which is a company that, that I started again about six years ago. Um, and it's been sort of ticking away and it's had its ups and downs. It's been a really big roller coaster ride, Immersive Events. And the event world is very, very difficult. Um, it's a bit different to the attraction world because it's, I wouldn't say it's seasonal. But you know, you, you have the market that you're in, and that then obviously dictates how, how you operate and what you do. And immersive events predominantly has been a is a scare event company. It's very immersive, fully immersive, but it has always predominantly been more scarce, therefore it bases itself around Halloween. And I've always wanted to expand it to, you know, all year round. And Greg's doing some good work down there. They operate out of uh, the workshop building down in Shepton Mallet. So it's a big sort of four-story beast of a concrete block, um, but it's great for, for attractions. Uh, sorry, it's great for events, loads and loads of good stuff they're doing down there. So met with him, just running through some finances, how Easter was going, um, what our future's looking like, anything that we can do to support them and help and stuff like that really. So um, nothing you know overly complex in, 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 in my world. So it was, it was, again, quite nice to do that and meet with some of the team down there and just see what, see what they're up to, see what they're doing and see, see how we can support them going forwards. And I'm trying to think, it must be something else. I must have done other stuff on the Tuesday. Um, do you know what? I, I, can't, I can't remember. This is the trouble with doing stuff, you know, a, a week and a half behind. I can't, I can't actually remember what I did. But I do know one thing that had happened, and I wanted to kind of share this with you, because this, this was one of those big, big moments. And I think, certainly in my life, I don't know if other people feel the same, I get those big revelation moments where I suddenly come across something, I see something, I'm just like, Oh my God, how the fuck did I not realize that before? That is so true and so clear. And just suddenly you see the wood through the trees and it just, it just happens. And it was a clip, funny enough, that I'd seen um, with, of Baroness Brady. So Karen Brady, uh, for those who don't know who she is, she's one of the um, uh, people on The Apprentice that, that follows the, the team around. Um, that's probably what she's most well known for, I think, in, in, in wide spectrum of the world. Um, but she is, you know, a businesswoman, certainly, and, and very, very impressive. Um, and she was being, she was on the podcast with Stephen Bartlett on my diary of a CEO. And I just saw some clips, um, basically, coming out on um, uh, Facebook and, and YouTube. So before I got to see the full interview. And it was a clip about being a leader and being a manager. And she was talking about what a manager does and saying that a manager's job is to organize people, give them tasks, you know, make sure it happens, support them through it, but very much manage that, that what's happening. And a leader's job is to have a vision. And then she used the word persuade. I'm not, I don't like the word, but she used the word persuade other people to follow that vision without them being able to see it themselves. And I thought that's 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 absolutely right. You know, that's what a manager does, and that's what a, a, a leader does effectively. Is you know, have a vision, and it's about following, getting people to follow you on that journey of that vision. And and the trick is that, and I know this because I do this. This is what entrepreneurs do: is I can see where I want us to go. I can see where I want us to be. 
I can lay the pathway of the journey, but that is going to change as it does. Lots of things you know, affect that, but I can see where we're going. I can see the vision. And my job is to try and get these 70 people, 73 I think now, to follow me on that journey to that end vision. But they can't quite see it as I see it because I can see it quite clearly. I'm explaining it and stuff gets lost in translation and, and stuff like that. And that's the difference. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's right. And then she dropped the bomb, absolute bomb on me. And she turned around and said, not everybody can be a manager. And I was like, wow. And I realized at that moment that a big part of my problem and a big part of my organization's problem is I'm a shit manager. And, and you know, I'm happy to say it. I am an absolutely shit manager. I'm just gonna let that sink in a second and have a bit of tea and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna explain more. I don't know with this tea, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to check the cuts and see if you can hear me drinking because that's gotta be the worst thing in the world, isn't it? Pod, podcast with a guy that drinks a cup of tea is like how unprofessional. Anyway, so I'm a shit manager. And you know what, I'm all right with that. And, and, and I'm all right with that because I think I'm a good leader. I'd like to think I'm a great leader, but I don't believe you can give yourself the title of great leader. I think only other people can give you that. I can say I'm a good leader because I've got us this far, and I think getting us this far has been good. Getting us beyond that, I think starts moving into the realms of kind of that, that sort of greatness in terms of leadership. But like I said, I think other people have to give you that accolade. You can't do it yourself. When I think about being a shit manager though, it takes me all the way back to one of my first, to sort of my first management roles. And I can remember the first management role I had in leisure where I took over, where I got a job as a duty manager. I was 25 maybe, something like that. And I have spoken about this a little bit before, but I, I took over as a, as, a, as a duty manager in Shepton Mallet Leisure Centre. Um, there, was a, there was a site manager, there was a, an assistant manager, and then there was, I think it was three duty managers. And I, and I was one of those. And my job specifically was around fitness. So I, I looked after the gym. Um, I looked after the, the daily running of a shift and my area was was the gym effectively in that. And there was somebody else that looked after uh, day to day running, but had the, looked after um, the sports hall bookings. So looked after things like all the, all the um, trampoline, gymnastics, badminton, all that kind of stuff, squash, that side of things. There was somebody else that looked after all the external side of things and the building maintenance. So the astroturfs and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a dry site, so no swimming pool. And I had three gym instructors underneath me, all of which currently worked there, two of which had gone for the job that I ended up getting. And one of the first days, I think it was maybe the second or third day that I was there, I was chatting to the, to the site manager, my boss, and I was talking to her about the interviews and just kind of asking, because I went in quite, I went in quite soft actually, quite gentle job. Um, and I was really keen to get it right. And I really wanted to make an impression, but I really wanted to go in, not bullet again, not kind of my, my natural nature. Um, so I went in quite softly and I remember chatting to her and asking her about any advice because, you know, there was a couple of people in there that had gone for the same job, they hadn't got it. And, and I remember her saying, she was, yeah, I was surprised by that. And I was just like, what? And she was like, she said that she, 
she thought that when she went into the job interview, somebody else was going to get the job. And through through the interview, it completely changed. And I ended up getting it. So she was like, so, you know, off you go. And I was like, that's a bit weird. Um, slightly off the point, but she's, she's a lovely lady, somebody I'm still still connected to. Um, and, and I really enjoyed working with her. I learned a lot from her. But the team really didn't like me very much. And I, I don't know why they didn't like me, because like I said, I was quite nice. And I was just trying to improve things. And it was a bit of a backward site. You know, I'd come from a site that was much further ahead, you know, had some really good tech in it. Um, it was really impressive, the other side. And this one wasn't bad, but some of the systems were just very dated. So like, the induction process was really outdated. So there was kind of reviving that and stuff like that. And these were all things that these guys wanted on the, on, like, in the site embedded. But when I did it, they just didn't like it. And I, I kind of struggled a little bit, but I just kind of persevered and went through. And I think in the end, I just went, fuck it. And I'll just be, I'll just be me. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. And then uh, about a year later, I think I'd been there about a year, and the job came up as a, as a site manager um, in another, uh, another leisure centre, still inside the same, the same group in, in, the, in Somerset Council. Um, so I went for that job, and I got that job. And that was a change, because all of a sudden I wasn't going into, into the leisure centre wearing tracksuit trousers and a polo shirt anymore, and doing gym instructions and, and doing inductions and you know running around on the shifts and emptying bins and doing that. I was in a suit. It's a shirt, tie, suit, in an office, doing paperwork and admin. And the thing was, I took over a site that was really underperforming, huge, hugely underperforming. It was a wet site as well, so I had a swimming pool, outside courts, inside courts, basketball, oh, sorry, um, squash, uh, uh, basketball courts, and so stuff like that. So it was, it was, it was a decent-sized site. It was attached to a school with about eight, 900 kids on it. So it was, it was, it was all right, but it was failing miserably. And within the first year, and, and I do talk about this quite a bit with people, within the first year, I turned it around from, I think it was making a 70,000 pound loss. And in the first 12 months, I got it to make a 17,000 pound profit. So I'd flipped it 87,000 pounds in a year, which was, which was quite something, especially because traditionally, some of, like county council leisure centers didn't make money. And that was enough to get me noticed by quite a few people in the organization. And so we go, this guy's clearly got something here. He's very, very good at doing this. And, and I did get very, very good results. But my God, did the staff hate me. They absolutely hated me. And, and I wouldn't say I necessarily went on a power trip. I just was really, really bad at managing people. And I can think back now to some of the conversations I had with staff and some of the things that you know we spoke about, some of the arguments we had, some of the issues we had, and I can probably shoulder 70 to 80% of the blame for most of them. Um, and you know what? It didn't actually matter to the powers that be, the people above me, because I got results. So they didn't really mind too much or weren't bothered or maybe didn't even know that my team really, really disliked me because I got good results. And that was enough to move me on to the next stage. I did, I did do some things that I, I, you know, fundamentally, I still deep down, there was something inside me that knew it was about my people because I think back to when uh, I was there at the time when we lost our first child. So, so Ashlyn, um, our first child who, who passed away, unfortunately, when she was 31 days old. Um, 
and, and the team there, some of the team came to the funeral. I remember being incredibly touched that some of those guys came to the funeral because I thought that was, that was really, really nice of them to do that. Um, they all sent sort of flowers and condolences and stuff like that. And I can remember at the time that there was, it was, it was getting towards, well, I was getting closer towards Christmas because Ashton passed away in, um, uh, in, oh God, I'm trying to remember the dates. How bad is that, man? Um, she passed away near Christmas, so a couple of months before Christmas, basically. They were going out for a Christmas meal, and I wasn't going with them. I just didn't feel, I just didn't feel like celebrating. I didn't feel very Christmassy. I didn't feel very um, uh, seasonal, very jolly, obviously, as, as you can imagine, I'm sure. Um, so, I, so I didn't go. Uh, I, was, I was still not back at work fully either. I was kind of dropping in for the odd day, but I wasn't back at work fully because I just wasn't, I wasn't, there and the staff that my, my my boss has been so so good about it just saying don't worry take all the time you need and I've, I've spoken about that in the past and i'm not going to go into that now but what i did do is i was at work and i was driving home and i knew that they were going to go and have christmas at a golf course down the road which was on my way on my way back pretty much so on my way home i stopped at the golf course and i went in and i said hey look my my, my team have got a meal booked here um this weekend they're, they're all coming down. I said, I'd like to put some money behind the bar if I can, please. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. A bit surprised. I was like, can I put a hundred pounds behind the bar, please? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So I just paid for a hundred pounds, paid, paid it there and then um, behind the bar. I had a little card, so I wrote the card. And I just said, really sorry, I can't be with you guys. Hope you have an amazing time. I've put some money behind the bar. Please have a few drinks on me. Um, and, and, and that was that. And I was just kind of like, that's that piece of me that I really like, that is that really kind of, you know, it will help people and do what I can to support people. But like I said, at the same time, I'm not a good manager. Um, and the next job, and, and one of the reasons I sort of moved on from, from, from leisure was I then moved on from that job to a higher level, to a more senior level. And I was working centrally then across 12 gyms by that point. And again, I think I've spoken about this before, so I'll be quite quick, but I was then working predominantly with site managers. So 12 different site managers effectively. And I was in charge of um, supporting the gyms and, and, and the, the gym memberships and the fitness memberships and stuff like that, which was you know, a big, big percentage of our income, certainly the biggest percentage of our income. And again, I was pretty shit at management with people. Um, and what happened there was the site managers who did have the year of the CEO and the ops director, um, a few of them got together and said basically they didn't they, they weren't happy with the way that I was doing things and they were probably right in fairness they, they probably were right um, well they certainly were right I should say and that was enough then to rock that enough for the for the CEO and, and for the ops director to, to sit me down and say hey look something's going to change here and that was kind of the the beginning part of that change in, in, in that career for me and, and also the starting point of me in, in, in moving towards doing my own business. And so I guess there's a positivity to being a bad manager um, because it then led me into, you know, doing what I'm strong at, which is which is the leadership piece, which was taking on my own business and, and, and starting to build those visions. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of brings me to the end of this episode, really. And like I said, I think it's a really good place to finish that I've recognised at 38 years old, nearly 39, but not quite, um, that I'm a really shit, not really shit, but I'm not a great manager. It's not what I should be doing. I should be leading. I should be building visions, driving people towards those visions. And that for me is a much better place 
better for me, better for everyone around me. Um, <clears throat> and it led me to have a phone call with Shelley, who uh, I've spoken about, our, our employee and uh, experience and development director. And I said to her, Shelley, your biggest job right now is to make sure that I don't manage anybody. And she was like, okay. And she didn't even need, need it explaining. And that was another that was another sign that I knew it, is she didn't even need to explain. I said, Shelley, I shouldn't manage anybody. That's not what I'm good at. I shouldn't do it. She went, okay, cool. We'll work through that and we'll figure that out and, and we'll get started on it. So yeah, I think that's a, a great place to finish the episode. Um, thank you very much for listening to episode six. Um, I look forward to recording episode seven. <laughs> um, thank you very much. This has been Entrepreneur Life with me, Joel Campbell, and I am an entrepreneur.